Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm in Irvine, California right now until September 5th. Cool. So if anyone's here, they're not going to hear this until <laughs> September 5th, I realize. But <laughs> yeah, we do. We have a, a good uh-huh. bit of lag between um, yeah. recording and publishing still. Although we're down to like three weeks-ish of lag, I think. Yeah, I feel like we're getting pretty good at that. Thanks to the wonderful people. This is really a Marion Hatch appreciation podcast. Is what I'm <laughs> How's Irvine? It's good. So I've never been to Southern California before. Been to NorCal a bunch, and hmm. it's really bright here. And I think that's also because, like, there's a lot more sunlight. But I feel like that's because my apartment in New York City is on the first floor of like a low building and kind of feels like the basement. And mm-hmm. like my office doesn't have any real sunlight in there. Yeah, it's bright. I've been here for three days. I really just set up shop in an Airbnb and have been doing work for most of my waking hours. And Have you done much like traveling and working before? Or is this kind of the first time you're, you've had the flexibility to do this? This is the first time I've had the flexibility to do this. I've definitely traveled for work in the past, but mm-hmm. those were like boots on the ground, go to Vegas or go to some conference for something. So yeah, yeah this is weird. My MacBook is very awful it's it's like the first version 2017 one Mm. so the battery life is like about one and a half hours it feels like i'm holding an oven (laughs) um austin is still rocking a 2015 macbook pro oh wow and i'm like which to be fair the reason he has that one i think we got it in like 2017 refurbished or something like that okay and got it because it was the last one that had all the ports and then I'm rocking like the bare bones, bottom of the mm-hmm. line MacBook from like a year or two ago. Mm. You would think that as a software design and engineering company, we would invest in like yeah. top of the line equipment, but we've just never been that kind of shop. We are always like, yeah, just give me a, a MacBook and I can get my job done. Yeah. What about your engineers? Do they get like fancy new gear? So we do a $2,500 like equipment allowance. Oh, cool. And so that's definitely not enough for a top of the line mm-hmm. Mac these mm-hmm, days, mm-hmm. but it's enough for like, you know, a solid Mac. Mm-hmm. And then like we just had a new engineer come on and he is our first Linux user he was able to build out his machine a good bit more with that budget than mm-hmm. <laughs> than the rest of us because Apple is expensive. Yeah. Did he get a laptop or did he get like... Yeah, he got a laptop. We usually recommend laptops just mm-hmm. because as a remote team, you sure. know, we hope in some distant point in the future when mm-hmm. breakthrough cases stop scaring us again to yeah. get together in person. So having a laptop is nice. I hear that. Did he get a ThinkPad X1 Carbon? I don't know what the Linux users use these days. I honestly don't remember exactly what he ordered. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So how are you liking traveling, trying to combine traveling and working? Oh, it's stressful. It's terrible. Like this whole like work from home thing, this whole like run your own company, your digital nomad <laughs> thing. Absolute bullshit. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, the digital nomad lifestyle like really appealed to me early on. And then I think I just like having stability and yeah. um, routines. And so... Yeah. Every time I've tried to travel and work, I end up getting very little done and feeling stressed about how little I'm getting done. 
mm-hmm. and then not enjoying the travel as much. And so I've tried to, yeah. I'll, you know, occasionally check email or something when I'm traveling. Yeah. But other than that, I try to separate the two now. Yeah, 100%. I think if you work for someone else and that your job is defined within a certain scope of things you need to do, digital nomad life is great. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I still think okay. most people uh-huh. like yeah. stability. And so I think Uh, most people would struggle to be moving around all the time. I think for some people it works super well. We had an engineer working for us once who like leaned into that hard and he loved Mm -hmm. it. But Mm -hmm. he was also the kind of person who was like pretty minimalist. Gotcha. And really like he didn't care about having the perfect cup of coffee when he woke up in the morning. He just cared about being close to mountains so he could go Mm -hmm. do cool shit, which is great. It's an awesome lifestyle and I aspire to be more like that but I think I've come to accept the reality that I am not. I do find that I have a little bit better work-life balance just because I'll end work at a reasonable hour to, you know, because I feel like I should go outside mm-hmm. since I'm not in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that I'm, you know, that I, because I don't live here. But I don't know what to do in Irvine. Yeah, I went to In-N-Out. <laughs> I went to, ooh, I went to Del Taco for the first time. And I gotta say, does not compare. Does not at all compare to Taco Bell. Sean, your idea of <laughs> of tourists. This was something we were going to talk about on the last last yeah, podcast. Yeah. Was we need to work on self care and treating yourself. I don't. Know, I did treat myself. I had <laughs> a I had a chicken burrito and two fish tacos from Del Taco. <laughs> is Irvine near? I have no idea what that's near. Like, what part of California is that? Like the larger San Francisco area or. Irvine's, where is it? It's in Orange County, California. It's close to LA, maybe like oh, okay. one. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's it. Yeah. I know absolutely nothing about the geography of California, so I'm not even sure why I asked. Like, I'm not going to be very helpful. That's okay. I failed geography. <laughs> I didn't, but could have, should have, honestly. So Austin came to town this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We spent all day Friday having like our partner meeting. So once a month we have an all day partner meeting which is something we've been doing. We've been having partner meetings for last couple of years on a monthly basis. But for a while, they were just like one or two hours. And then we decided we really wanted them to be all day. So we block off one Friday a month for me and him to just talk about the business. Mm-hmm. And the main thing we talked about this time around was goal setting, which I thought mm-hmm. I could share a little bit about. Yeah. So we used to use OKRs, mm-hmm. Objectives, Key Results, For those who don't know, the idea is you set an objective, which is supposed to be a feel-good goal, something that gets you excited, gets you out of bed, and then you set a few key results that are how you measure whether you're achieving that objective or not. And I think it was started by Google, like this framework was Mm -hmm. created by Google. And when we first instituted this goal-setting framework, it was really, really useful. It worked really well for us. We noticed that it was just helping us focus and we were making progress towards the goals that we had set in a way that we hadn't been before. It felt very scattered before. But then over time, we started to really struggle. We found ourselves changing the goals up a lot. Mm -hmm. And like we would set a goal and then we'd get a couple of months in to the quarter. We were setting them quarterly mostly. And we would find some new piece of information and it would be like, oh, that goal is no longer relevant. Like that doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense at all anymore. And at the beginning of this year, we just dropped quarterly goals. We had still set some yearly goals that were high level for the whole company, but we dropped the quarterly goals and it really was feeling like 
even those yearly goals weren't doing a whole lot for us. Like we weren't really paying attention to them. We were checking in on them at our monthly all hands, but we weren't really focused on them in between. And Mm -hmm. they were kind of big and nebulous. And so I, I had been wanting for a while to get better at goal setting and to get back in a more regular habit of setting some short, middle and long term goals. And so I ended up spending like an hour and a half with my therapist (laughs) one night. Nice. Just talking to him about goal setting and like how to be better at goal setting. My therapist just turned out to be like the best business coach I've ever hired. Like, yeah, very good at helping resolve leadership and and business problems. But so we, we worked on goal setting and there were a few things that I took away from that. One of the big ones was that he brought up the point that our goals that we were setting were in a lot of ways too ambitious. So we weren't thinking of these new ambitious projects as sort of experiments. So we would set a goal and we wouldn't really think about what needed to happen to achieve that goal. And so it left us with a bunch of goals that were really big and that there wasn't a clear path towards. Mm -hmm. So like an example was improving client satisfaction. Like that was Mm -hmm. one of our big goals for this year. But we didn't have a defined way to measure client satisfaction. And we hadn't really thought about the process for how we would develop that measurement. And so a really simple check on goals that that came out of that conversation was, is this something new that we've done before? If yes, plan on there being multiple rounds of experimentation in order to you know, get to a, a positive result and plan on at least the first round, if not the first couple of rounds failing. And so work that into how much time you're planning on this taking and so what you'll be able to accomplish. We also talked a lot about just some other general questions that have been really helpful for me at like guiding whether a goal is too ambitious or not. And they're really basic, but I wasn't doing them before. So another thing was just to ask, how much time do we think this is going to take? How much time, days, hours, weeks, whatever, we expect this to take? And then asking, okay, how much time do we have? Like, how much time do we currently have outside of our normal responsibilities that we can focus on this? Thinking about, okay, how are we actually going to get that done? What's that going to take? What barriers do we see? And is that realistic? So just yeah. laying that out and asking those questions was really helpful. And I feel like we got into a much better pace or mm-hmm. got to a much better place with the goal setting work that we did on Friday. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's super interesting because that like, I feel like those things are a little bit of a wake up call for me hearing you say that. Because I've had the same problem with like OKRs where, yeah, like I had a friend introduce me to them and we set them and then they would live in a notion dock and never be seen again for until three quarters later. And then I remember that these exist and it's like, oh, these these are so irrelevant. Yeah. I don't know. I think one of them was like 10,000 followers on Twitter mm-hmm. for like, this was like the previous podcast. So just to give context that I'm not like, that I wasn't looking for 10,000 for myself and <laughs> wanted to be a vain Twitter influencer. But yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. How accurate does the time measurement need to be? I don't think it needs to be that accurate, but we did think about, okay, how much time, who's going to own this? Mm-hmm. How much time would it take to do research? How much time would it take to design an experiment? How much time would it take to run an experiment? How much time would it take mm-hmm. to measure the results of that experiment? Mm-hmm. The person who owns this, how much time do they have in their day right now? 
can we create more time for them? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. And it, so it didn't have to be super, super detailed, but it was just Mm -hmm. thinking through if this is actually going to get done, what's it going to take to get it done? Mm -hmm. It reminds me, there's a, a course, I didn't take the full course, but I, I've dabbled in some of the creator's content. Tiago Forte is his name. He has this course called Building a Second Brain. He has a saying that's something like, goals without projects are just wishful thinking. Okay. Projects yeah. without goals are a waste of time or kind of time being spent in the wrong direction. Yeah. Hobbies, that's what he called them. I think he said goals without projects are, or projects without goals are hobbies goals without projects or wishful thinking, something like that. It was it was a lot snappier than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what this gets back to is we were setting goals, but not thinking about the projects that needed to happen to make those goals a reality. Uh, okay. Another thing, we used to set goals very collaboratively as a team. Mm-hmm. So we would have sort of a team brainstorming session. And one of the things I've been struggling with is, is that the right way to do it? Because in theory, my job as the leader of the company is to set the direction of the team, mm-hmm. set the direction of the company and gather feedback and gather input, but that responsibility falls on me. Yeah. But I also don't want to be one of those leaders who thinks that they know everything. Mm-hmm. And my therapist, as we were talking through this, had another good point, which was that the team has a lot of day-to-day responsibilities and goal setting is not really one of them in the same mm-hmm. way that it is for me. He said, you know, you can build that bottom-up goal setting methodology but you kind of need to figure out how to do it yourself first and then yeah you can teach it over time and that's not to say if there's someone on the team who is already good at this that i wouldn't lean on them and ask them for advice or input mm-hmm. and i plan on so we have our all hands tomorrow so mm-hmm. i plan on presenting this to the team and trying to get feedback from them and asking some specific questions to see mm-hmm. what their thoughts are but i think i'm going to shift the way we do things a little bit and you know, Austin and I are going to set the company goals. We're going to present those to the team, get feedback, maybe make some tweaks. Mm-hmm. But that'll be our responsibility. And then eventually I want to get to where each person on the team is setting some individual goals as well. Mm-hmm. And then we're helping hold them accountable to a degree. Yeah. Nice. We're, uh, I feel like we're starting to make some progress on this. It'll be an evolving journey, but mm-hmm. felt like a gotcha. good first couple of steps. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you able to share some of those goals? on the podcast so a couple of them are just slight a good goal should be measurable it should be challenging but achievable and sometimes we struggle with that measurable piece figuring out how to structure something in a way because there are different types of measurement some things are easy to measure revenue other Mm -hmm. things are going to be a little bit more subjective a little bit more qualitative yeah so on friday we started with our long-term goals and then our our midterm goals so Mm -hmm. my plan is to eventually get to the point where we set regularly set three-year long-term goals, mm-hmm. one-year midterm goals, and then quarter-by-quarter short-term goals. Mm-hmm. And we started with the three-year and the sort of one-year really remaining of 2021. So it's like kind of a quarter and a half. Mm-hmm. We started with that on Friday. And then the plan is over the next month or so to work on goals for Q4 mm-hmm. to fill in those short-term goals and then start go ahead and start the work for next year's midterm goals. Mm -hmm. So our three-year goals, which will maybe be kind of the most interesting to talk about, Mm -hmm. are accounts can be closed, managed, and grown without a partner being involved. We have a 30% Mm -hmm. profit margin. Mm -hmm. And then 
these next few can definitely use some work, probably use some rewording or restructuring. We have the mechanisms in place to get five highly qualified candidates in four weeks per job posting. So every time we post a new job, within a month, we can get five highly qualified candidates applying. We regularly turn away high quality leads and we have measurably high team satisfaction. So you can see how like that last one, the wording isn't great there. We're not exactly sure how to word that in a way to make it more measurable. We have a recruiting goal, a sales goal, and a sort of team operations goal. Mm -hmm. And then that last one is sort of all encompassing that accounts can be closed, managed, and grown without a partner. That to us is really important for the long-term viability of crit and the health of the business. The one thing that's probably missing from here is like a sort of client success goal. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we may want to revisit. But in order for accounts to be growing, in theory, they have to, clients have to be seeing value and seeing results. Mm -hmm. So those are our our long-term goals right now. Those are some of the things that we're thinking about. And then, yeah, to get to those, we're thinking a lot about client satisfaction and team satisfaction. Mm -hmm. How do we start measuring those? And then we've got some more granular goals around a couple of projects and sales and stuff yeah gotcha well i really like the first goal it's making me think a lot it also then like brings up so the first goal of you saying like accounts should be managed closed and there's one more grown and grown without the help of a partner and then i started thinking about like like the way like pentagram does it where the partner is always involved and that was interesting too and then like i'm just trying to think about how far we are from ever achieving that right now well reminder we're seven uh years into building our business yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. but in general i think for both austin and i's mental health and again for like one you never know austin or i could get burnt out we could get hit by a bus (laughs) like anything could happen but yeah not going don't want to don't want any of those things to happen Yeah, yeah and i don't expect within three years for us to be able to get to where all projects can come through without the idea is that if three years from now we haven't made substantial progress towards that goal then we haven't really built a like a we haven't built the processes the machine we haven't really built that business we've built sort of a yeah i shouldn't say we haven't built a business but it resembles more of a freelance business than an agency because it's still reliant on one or two people yeah i see i see yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's my favorite goal out of all of your goals. Thanks. Like, I would even sacrifice like 10% of that agency, like that profit margin mm-hmm. to achieve the sustainable goal faster, right? Like, yeah. I wanted to ask you when you brought up, like, there was a little bit of jealousy when you said that you and Austin got together and like had a partner's day. And I was like, oh shit, this is why people have (laughs) (laughs) co-founders. Yeah, I think it's a worthwhile thing to talk about on the podcast. Since I am co-founderless, I have to do this alone. Like, you know, I'm curious about your experience working with Austin since I don't get to talk to him as much, but we should totally have him on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I guess the reason I'm asking is because, like, because I don't have a partner when it comes to working on this agency, I never... Like, I can't fathom myself taking, like, a full partner's day, right? To me, that sounds like a weird excuse to not do any work today because I'm always thinking about, like, this anyway. Mm-hmm. And that I don't have to communicate with... Like, I guess, like, how much 
of that full day is about the business versus about things around the business or I don't know. I'm just curious, like if there's like a structured agenda for that day or, or whatever. Yeah. So we usually have an agenda that we sort of create the often it's like a few days before and we definitely didn't start with a full day. Yeah. And we started with, I think kind of a one hour meeting and then we did like yeah. a two hour meeting and then we just felt like there were constantly things that we weren't addressing, that we weren't talking about, that we mm-hmm. needed to be talking about decisions we needed to be making. And often those things required a good bit of discussion and a good bit of thought and energy. So like we've used past partner meetings to redefine our comp model. And Mm -hmm. so we would work together to model a bunch of different scenarios. Folks were ready for promotions and things like that. We've used it to make decisions about healthcare changes, all these things that are kind of hard to carve time out yeah. for day to day. We might be thinking yeah. about them, but it's hard to like sit down and make the decision and do the things that need to happen to get it done. Yeah, Goal setting is another good example of that. And it's been really helpful for us. And honestly, I wish I could take a week. <laughs> I wish I could take <laughs> two days, three days. That day flew by and I was like, yeah. oh man, we could really use some more time. But I also don't want to be spending all of our time planning and none of our time doing Mm -hmm. in general i think it sounds like part of what you're asking about too is just the what it's like to have a partner or what it's like to have a co-founder and kind of the advantages and disadvantages as i see them yeah so i think different things work for different people Mm -hmm. i know several friends who are solo founders of agencies and it Mm -hmm. works really well for them i think that there are some advantages you get when you were the sole owner, mm-hmm. it becomes kind of easier to blend some of your personal goals and some of your mm-hmm. definitely becomes easier if you're someone who wants to build a personal brand or thinks that that's a good way to do things. I think mm-hmm. it's easier to do that when you're the solo founder mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, your business is 100% owned by you. And right, so right. if there's some things there's that synergy are, there, yeah. yeah, if there's some things that are benefiting you, it's kind of one in the same, although you do obviously yeah. have to be careful. This is not legal advice. <laughs> you have yeah, to be careful yeah. about separation and everything. But I yeah. think that there are just there's some additional flexibility you get when you're the solo founder, mm-hmm. solo owner. And some simple things like partner salaries. Like we have two partners who want to make a partner salary instead of one. But yeah, so there's some advantages I think that come with being a solo founder. For me personally, I know I'm someone who really thrives off of collaboration and partnership Mm -hmm. and having other people. I'm a verbal processor. So Mm -hmm. some people might be really good at going off thinking alone and then making some of the decisions that we make on Mm -hmm. at our partner meetings. I really benefit from having that time to talk out different scenarios and work through it with Austin. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing is just when things aren't going well, having someone who's there to commiserate with you and you can yeah. build some of that with friendships like ours, with friendships yeah. with other partners and founders. But it's not quite the same as someone who's truly, truly in the trenches with you in it mm-hmm. feels what you feel. Yeah. And then obviously, like there's a lot of risk that comes when taking on a partner. Mm-hmm. Austin and I have had a couple of other partners throughout the business who have come and left. Austin is 
one of my best friends in the entire world. Mm -hmm. He's one of my favorite human beings. He's just mm -hmm. a very good person and we share mm -hmm. the same values and we're often very much on the same page. And for the most part, communication is pretty easy with us. Mm -hmm. And so I feel very, very lucky to have a partner like him. I've seen friends who have gone through co-founder relationships that mm -hmm. didn't go well and that is yeah. incredibly incredibly painful yeah no i mean that makes sense i've definitely been in like co-founder relationships in like very early stage like early early stage startups that did not go well not in like a fight way but more of a like it's very hard to have friends in security and like high paying security jobs mm -hmm. and then like want to start a startup with them mm -hmm. because like they're gonna look at the startup and like the equity isn't worth anything and the amount of work left to do and then look at their like 200 plus like total comp at apple and then go yeah i'm gonna go with that one <laughs> <laughs> the golden handcuffs exactly it's difficult to get out of yeah. i think you have some news that you were gonna share oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i'm in irvine no I'm, no I'm just kidding one of our earliest clients when i went full-time with miscreants got acquired yeah That's fucking awesome yeah 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 well the client that connected that really i think made us start talking more and more the client that you referred us to mm -hmm. intrigue shout out to jonathan jonathan cran yeah i will just say like intrigue is pretty much the reason we were able to go and i was finally able to go and start this full time like that was like the inflection point of like okay like i think i've saved up enough money and there's enough work here even just to kind of start even though it wasn't like like you know it wasn't the salary like even remotely close to the salary i had in a prior startup but i was like this is like i feel like the service i am providing has been validated by this client and then and at that time intrigue was still in stealth mode they just got their funding like they just started their like full-time thing so we kind of so so i guess like jonathan and i both started at the same time so there's a bit of a kinship there when we first started working together about like i remember a call where he and i synced up and both of us were like, yeah, like, did we both just quit our job and start a company? Intrigue <laughs> <laughs> um, got acquired by Mandiant and FireEye. And super cool. Mandiant and or FireEye is super lucky to have those people, not just Jonathan, but like Jonathan. And you got to meet Valerie at mm -hmm. DevCon. She's the head of product there, as well as their designer and some engineers. And like, they just got like a team of killers all of a sudden. So invest now. I mean... <laughs> No, it's been super exciting. We've known for a little bit, so it's been cool to just see all of that happen and also kind of see our work have some sort of meaningful impact and in just like the successful exit of a company. I also want to point out that this company has existed for like seven months before <laughs> it got acquired. <laughs> like how crazy is that? It's absolutely wild. Yeah. Yeah. When you told me this was happening, I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Jonathan is super cool. Really happy for them and the whole team. And mm -hmm. the work that you all have done with them is awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool to have an acquisition in your portfolio. That's true. So yeah, great work, man. Mm -hmm. And Thanks. yeah, great work to the whole Intrigue team. Yeah. Cool to see them have success so fast. Like what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mind boggling. I do want to point out that like when I think about it more, like Jonathan has been working on this product for like, that makes five sense. years. So it's really... Yeah 
five plus seven months. <laughs> that's I mean, um, that's how it always is, so, right? Like the overnight successes <laughs> that are someone yeah. working for, for 10, 20 years to build up the network and build up yeah. the skills and build up the relationships and everything. Yeah. There's no such thing as a true overnight success. But that said, this yeah. is still a pretty cool success and a pretty big deal. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, excited for for the injury team and yeah. yeah great work man yeah i think i had a dream about it last really night, actually now that i'm thinking about it i think so you you me jonathan plus mm-hmm. some other people in vegas we were hanging out at the cabanas and i think he was explaining to you like oh the acquisition makes sense and it does right like ultimately like FireEye having some threat intel data that really is part of their competitive advantage like that's something that Intrigue could really use and differentiate itself in just making it a better mm-hmm. product. And I don't know why that like stuck in my head, but I'm pretty sure I had a dream where that scene just replayed in my Weird. head again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's the news. Yeah. I have some Intrigue shirts and now they're like super vintage <laughs> because that company doesn't technically exist anymore. I mean, the, the shirts that you yeah. all did for them at Black Hat were incredible. The movie poster shirts, Thanks. I've Thanks. been wearing mine all over the place. Thanks. I appreciate that. There's like 500 of them that we're shipping out. Yeah. Speaking of shirts, yeah. DevCon was super interesting. I'm really, really considering... Like, I've been saying this half-jokingly for a couple months, but now I'm saying it like a little bit more mm-hmm. seriously, but still half a joke that I'm really considering like a micro like 3PL side project business mm-hmm. thing. And it's mainly because like we make these shirts and our clients are like, oh, but can you print them? And like, yeah, of course we can print them. But then they're like, oh, like, can you ship them for us? It's like, yeah, of course we could ship them for you. <laughs> and... There's this entire world of logistics. My YouTube suggestions now are all about <laughs> warehousing. Like, <laughs> I wonder if this is just like because I get hyper fixated mm-hmm. on things that now I'm thinking about this. But like I like started laying out yesterday like what a service offering mm-hmm. would look like, like a miscreants merchandising of like a one stop shop from like an idea for a design or even just like wanting a t shirt to getting a t shirt in hand mm-hmm. and all the different steps and. Yeah, supply chains. Are good, <laughs> <but>, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I do not envy you. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think my experience Thanks. walking around with you at Black Hat and DefCon was everyone in security loves T-shirts. Like everyone in security yeah. Yeah, yeah. loves swag, especially good, high-quality swag that doesn't feel like all the it's out there, which yeah. is exactly what you all do. Yeah, and I think if you can productize that and then nail the logistics piece and make it easier for people because i know when we order swag i hate figuring out how to store it i hate figuring out how to ship it places it's a nightmare it's no fun at all and so Mm -hmm. if you can do that for your clients i'm sure there's a ton of demand personally i have zero interest in running that business (laughs) that does not sound fun but for some people it is yeah if logistics and supply chain is something that (laughs) that seems interesting to you seems like there's a ton of potential there yeah maybe I'm also saying this, I think it's also like supercharged by the fact that, so one of our first pitches to like mm-hmm. a large company before Miscreants was even like Miscreants, this is back when I was doing the podcast and still just mm-hmm. like doing design for like other security companies was that Google had reached out and we had pitched Google on branded t-shirts for their internal mm-hmm. security team. And we didn't get that contract because they were like, oh, like we were kind of looking for a goal, like a one-stop shop. And maybe this is me fulfilling that like, or like, I don't know, like subconsciously like fulfilling that 
I don't know what the word here mm-hmm. like fantasy of being able to I don't know but yeah yeah I don't know if we'll do it but I'm like I've heavily you've been, I've been kind of testing it right it like you've done it, it for is, a couple of clients yeah 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 we've done it for a couple of clients but in like a really mm-hmm. scrappy way right like like bringing like packing a client's swag into my suitcase and bringing it to Vegas and dropping it off at his hotel and also like helping like oh, helping intrigue for example fulfill a lot of their swag it's not like too hard of a process there's just a lot of it's a very like decentralized or not decentralized jesus it's a very disjointed process go. yeah that makes and sense. it's not just disjointed in like a lot of it also is like the swag you pick it doesn't all come from one place and the print method for every, like creation is all different and then like putting it in the same place and then like getting into people and then like international shipping is <laughs> like, i can go on all day we could have a whole podcast about swag yeah but right now i'm also just writing up a report on whether like trying to find data on like the actual effectiveness of mm. swag or rather like the actual effectiveness of like branding especially for mm-hmm. security organizations so that's been a research project we've we started a while back and now we're kicking it back up because we're talking to a client about it or potential client about it. Yeah. A lot of weird learnings and it explains why companies like swag up have started mm-hmm. to do so well. I don't know if you, yeah, we've actually them, thought about, I don't remember, remember if it was swag up or somebody else, but we were looking into one of those service offerings for crit just because I, again, hate mailing things and yeah, we have a remote team now. And so anytime we had a new employee join, yeah. the process for getting them a crit t-shirt was yeah. for me to drive to the crit office, package up a crit t-shirt, mm-hmm. like log into stamps.com, fill out the information. And <laughs> it's like, it doesn't take much time, but it takes like 30 minutes and I yeah. can't really do anything else. And it yeah. just drives me crazy. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, we it wasn't a high enough priority for us to actually Mm -hmm. sign up yet but i was about this close and as soon as i feel like we have the margins and budget to like throw a a few thousand bucks at some swag i will probably do something like that you can um, (laughs) talk to um, miss green oh wait i I (laughs) play for sure yeah i'm heavily considering becoming a swag up competitor but like less of a competitor and more really really focused on one specific space which is mm-hmm. cybersecurity. that's always how Again. it starts it always starts with it really is and then really is. and then all of a sudden you're a swag up competitor yeah 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 anyway yeah that's that's what's been on my mind this week so i've been anything else basically thinking about marketing i think i've already talked about it a bunch on the on yeah. the podcast but <laughs> it's maybe been an episode or two yeah legion is just top of mind so Black Hat and DEF CON were really cool. My general feeling was I didn't expect to get any immediate leads out of Black Hat or DEF CON. It definitely felt from talking to people like there was the potential mm-hmm. for Crit to come in and add value and and help people, but mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how to get to the decision makers, wasn't sure how to ask the right questions. Yeah. So I was really looking at Black Hat and DEF CON more as learning and sort of planting seeds and starting to mm-hmm. find the people that I jived with and starting to build some relationships for the future. So Mm -hmm. one of the big initiatives that I'm thinking of hoping to get kicked off in the next couple of weeks here is I really want to start a series of interviews with product managers and designers at Mm -hmm. like seed growth stage, maybe even larger companies in cybersecurity. Part of this is selfish. It's to just learn a little bit more about how product organizations at larger companies operate and how they make decisions Mm -hmm. and what might prompt them to work with a 
an outside firm, a design or engineering. Part of it is also just to learn more so that we can provide more value and like learn more about our ideal sort of customer persona, what their yeah. challenges are, what they're dealing with, maybe get some ideas for content to write, things to do research projects on, stuff like that. So that's one thing I, I really want to do. I love the security trails mm-hmm. interviews that they've done. They've done an interview series with a bunch of kind of prominent influencers and founders in yeah. the security space. One yeah. of the things I love most about them is the photography. Like, I don't know exactly yeah. how they do it, but I they must hire an, like a freelance photographer in the city that the person lives in for every interview. Yeah. I actually reached out to their head of content to ask <laughs> how they do it, yeah. uh, like what their process is. But they always yeah. have the best photography that accompanies their interviews. Yeah, um, And then, of course, like everyone who gets interviewed ends up using that photo as like their their profile picture yeah, yeah, from, yeah. from then on exactly so i would love to do something like that i'm not sure if i have the time and like the resources to like coordinate finding a photographer for everyone we want to interview so i might instead just like find an illustrator or something like that to take yeah. an existing headshot and turn it into an illustration or kind of a cool yeah, yeah. A cool image at some point i just need to reach out to some friends and ask them to do interviews with me and just start fuddling through mm-hmm. it that's one one thing that I've been thinking about a lot this week is putting together a list of the first few people I want to reach out to yeah. and then just thinking about what that process is going to look like. And then the other the other thing is, and I think you've done this a little bit, so maybe you can talk a little bit about it, is I really want to reach out to some VCs in the area mm-hmm. and see if there's a potential to build some relationships there. I talked to a friend who used to work for a VC firm and asked him kind of, what the best way for us to be helpful would be. Yeah. And the two pieces of advice he gave me were to either present some original research that would be useful for them mm-hmm. or to basically essentially offer a discount, which was kind of surprising to hear. But his mm-hmm. point was that every VC wants to be able to add value to their portfolio. They want to be seen as like kind of an act, most at least want to be seen as an active investor who can be mm-hmm. providing resources and connections to their portfolio. And so if you can provide a mm-hmm. sort of special rate or something like that for their portfolio or some sort of special offer, then that's like an extra perk of working with that VC. Mm-hmm. And so I've been putting together a list of a few people I want to reach out to and just trying to think through how to approach that without making it all about crit and all about us. So I don't yeah. know if you have any thoughts. We've definitely been considering the special rate thing. Like, just reusing i don't know if i told you one of like the ways we have a service offering is like a menu based mm-hmm. thing where you know if the company doesn't know what their budget is or doesn't know what they'll need like but they knows they have some graphic needs or whatnot like we just give them like a t-shirt size mm-hmm. menu and you just pick and you have this rate and with that we have an msa and i'm thinking of just giving vc something like mm-hmm. that and it's like oh like if you need something like like this like here's like a hundred bucks off each t-shirt size and that's what your company's portfolio companies get from us and it's pretty price competitive and gets us a logo on our website, which is useful. Original research is definitely something that we've invested in and has definitely paid dividends. We got one of our larger clients this year on board, which I can't put, give the name out yet, but on this podcast, but you, I think you know mm-hmm. who it is. And I can show you kind of like how we did our research also because I think it'd be useful for it's on UX too. So I'd love to get cool. your thoughts on it later too can you share like what the research was about like what the topic was yeah yeah it was basically i think i brought this up on our first podcast actually 
or our first episode that was released it was just on like creating delight in cybersecurity cool. ux or cybersecurity b2b platforms mm-hmm. especially through like user experience or even interaction right yeah so that's definitely been helpful and like it's been really helpful for me to structure the conversation like that way i can get go like i can have the conversation with them without at all needing to come off as a salesperson right i can just like oh like here's like a thing we've been working on like that's interesting and like we know you'll never invest in us because we're an agency and you're a vc it doesn't make any sense but here's like some interesting ideas that no one else is really thinking about otherwise we just give them clothing (laughs) (laughs) everyone likes a good t-shirt so that's usually how we maintain a lot of our relationships is just like giving them clothing yeah what is that first email look like what is that first interaction with some of these people look like when you're are you reaching out and saying like hey i'm in mm-hmm. this space too, we just did this research project, might be helpful for you? Or are you sort of building the relationship mm-hmm. first and then being like, hey, we did this research? So I think there's two ways to go about this. One is not going to be helpful mm-hmm. advice and the other might be more helpful. So I'll get the not helpful one out first. The way we got connected to a lot of our VCs was purely out of just like luck. <laughs> like I was in the Intrigue Core Slack, made an introduction of like, this is who I am. And in this community had a VC and he reached out and hit me up and we became friends just mainly because we're both in the New York City cool. area. And then I think that's Kelly, by the way, Kelly Mack, super awesome person at Workbench. Mm-hmm. And then I guess he has just like ever since we had met, he just started shouting our names off the New York City awesome. rooftops and like another VC had caught wind of that. And then we started talking that way. And like that's kind of how it's mm-hmm. really worked. But it kind of stopped at mm-hmm. some point. But we did get clients out of that. The other way I think that would be better is really, I think you could just talk to your current, because you work with clients that are mm-hmm. startups and just ask them for intros to their investors. Like, I think it works both ways anyway, right? Because like, and yeah, I think that's really been our strategy. Mm-hmm. Like we're currently asking our startup clients for contacts with their VCs and having that conversation. I did get actually another piece of advice that South by Southwest is a great place to meet investors. Mm, that makes sense. <laughs> so, I don't know. This was just confirmation bias for me to go there and go hang out. But apparently South by Southwest, especially the interactive part of that, is just a really helpful place to make those connections. So cool. yeah, I feel like only one of those things was helpful. Yeah, so, yeah fully yeah. planning to, to ask for introductions first. Yeah. But then sort of after those introductions, mm-hmm. if they're folks who we want to get to know who haven't invested in any of our clients thinking through how to yeah. approach them cold and or if it's mm-hmm. even worth trying to so cool yeah we've had like one cold intro and it just it didn't feel like it went mm-hmm. really well i don't know if this is just because actually you know what i'm gonna take that back i actually think it went really mm-hmm. well and i think that maybe i said that it didn't originally because i'm expecting it to go as well as like a warm intro mm-hmm. would i think that those intro calls can just be intro mm-hmm. calls. And I think they can just be like, oh, this is what we do. This is what we believe in. Maybe we can work together. And I think, I don't think that something incredibly productive needs to come out of that call. I think just awareness mm-hmm. is the name mm-hmm. of the game, right? I think, like, we've had VCs like meet us and they're like, oh, like, wow, I've never met a like design agency for cybersecurity. And I think, like, cool. I know at least two of them, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the other one I have a podcast (laughs) with. So, Um, yeah, I think awareness is is part of it. And I think like just the niche that we're in gives us a lot of ability to build rapport anyway. To do some outreach over the next couple of weeks. So maybe I'll have an update by the next podcast. Mm -hmm. Is that your small effort? Small efforts. Yeah. 
what was my small effort last time <laughs> i think i still i don't know we need to keep a we, board we of do. these um, i think my small yeah. effort was to come up with a couple of twitter thread ideas it was yeah i've come up with a couple of research ideas but i still don't think i've come up with a couple of twitter thread ideas mm -hmm. by the way real quick the research that we're working on right now so we're working on that design mm -hmm. research yeah. project that i told you about but the other one we've started compiling have you ever seen the cyber yeah, yeah, yeah. landscape thing yeah like one of those from some mm -hmm. uh, yeah i think it's momentum specializes cyber in cybersecurity or something like that yeah or vc momentum, momentum. vc or yep. something yep. um yeah i think they're like an investment bank. So we've basically just taken every name from that list and we've added them to a spreadsheet and we're going through and checking to see mm. if they have public pricing or not. And if they do, recording what their pricing is. And it's the idea is to take it and turn it into mm. a little bit of a piece on like product like growth and how many companies are taking advantage of using their product to... Mm sell their product and transparency in the cybersecurity community and stuff like that. So not 100% sure where we're going to go with it yet. So far, mm -hmm. very few yeah. <laughs> are public with their pricing data, with their pricing structure. Also been trying to think through, is it worth like doing some outreach mm -hmm. to folks on this list to ask if they'd be yeah. willing to share their pricing? But yeah, so that's what we're working on. Yeah, I would say my small effort for next week is to reach out to at least one VC and at least one mm -hmm. interview, like get one interview scheduled with mm -hmm. a product manager or designer. Nice. So kind of a two-parter there. I feel like the companies that are only ever public with their pricing are, they only give like their researcher pricing away or more often than not. It's usually like, you know, like I'm thinking like Burp Suite, Virus Total. I think I was looking at like, a, I think Dehashed, I think it shows their mm -hmm. pricing or yeah, it's all like for researchers because those are things you can buy with a credit mm -hmm. card. Yeah. Cool. I'm super excited to see where that goes. Thanks. You can ask me what my small effort. What is your small effort for the week? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I felt <laughs> weird just like freaking out. I felt like I didn't know if that was. <laughs> it's just, just to finish the like pitch slash research report thing on internal brands cool. for cybersecurity teams and like i've been on planes mm -hmm. a lot the past month so it's gotten a lot of time to like finish the outline like the outline is literally in my notes app and i have like the style for the presentation and i still won't sit down and put it in there i don't know yeah but it's to finish that um and i think this is a small effort i can actually get done this time because i have a deadline for nice. it Cool. Because goals require a, <laughs> yeah. a time Absolutely. frame. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. Great talking to you. Yeah. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. You just listened to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between Crit and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.